The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of the disciples of Jesus who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer walked with him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? And Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. The great philosopher and essayist uh, G.K. Chesterton once famously noted when he was asked about Christianity and lack of belief, his response was, it is not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting, lacking in something, it's that Christianity has been found difficult and therefore not tried. And we see an element of that in our gospel reading today, this exchange between Jesus and his own disciples as well as the crowds that had gathered around to hear him. And we come to the conclusion of chapter 6 of St. John's Gospel, the magnificent discourse treating on the bread of life, where the Lord talks about his body being true food, his blood being true drink, and that he himself is the living bread come down from heaven for the life of the world. And we hear as this exchange between Jesus and the others reaches its climax. Finally, somebody says, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? And that statement and that attitude about the hard saying of Jesus is something that has run alongside the preaching of the gospel for the last 2,000 years and it is still very much with us today. There is the tendency, especially in our modern world, to assume that I get to choose what I will believe in, that I get to choose which of the things of God work for me. 
And we say that so naturally, we miss the absolute arrogance of that perspective. That it stands for me in my freedom to tell God what I will and won't accept from him. What I will or will not do when he speaks to me. As if somehow I have that divinely ordained authority to determine what is spiritually correct and right. This saying is hard. Who can accept it? And so note, the fact that it costs me something becomes the measure of my rejecting. And yet anything worth obtaining always costs us something. Anything worth doing always involves a sacrifice of some kind. And the more important the undertaking to do it well, the greater the difficulty involved. We know this. That's how life works. And so note, this is hard. Not this is wrong, it is difficult. And we see here in this rejection of the teaching of Jesus on the part of many, many who style themselves believers, the echo of the difficulty that even the disciples had in accepting as well Jesus' teaching about the cross. If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself pick up his cross, and follow me. Because that is my way, it is the way of self-giving and self-sacrifice. Note how that parallels what the Lord says. I am the living bread. I am that one who gives himself completely to sustain you. And we see that the issue is the human heart has difficulty accepting the full reality of the self-giving of Jesus. This is not simply a statement that I don't believe you can make your flesh into bread. It is a statement that pauses up against this idea that the Lord will give himself so thoroughly, so completely, and that I need to receive a gift that is so great and so complete as that because that would change me. That would transform me. And so there's this moment of hesitation, and the hesitation is not a bad thing. To simply say that the teaching is hard and I'm not sure who can accept it is not a bad thing. It's a recognition that we have something great in front of us. It's what one does now when faced with the difficulty. It is hard, and I don't know who can accept it, and that puts a choice in front of me. But I'm going to try, or I'm not. And so here we are. The Lord's teaching leads to a moment of decision to those who have been listening to him. Some of them will choose to accept the difficult teaching and continue with the Lord, some others will choose not to accept that teaching and turn away from the Lord. Because the issue of our faithfulness to the Lord next to never rests on the easy teachings. Next to never rests on the convenient teaching any more, any more than a healthy, stable marriage, for example, 
only consists in for better, for richer, for health, and for happy. Anybody here who's been married for more than 10 minutes knows that that's not the way it works. That's why we say for better and for worse, in happiness and in sadness, in wealth and in poverty, in good times and in hard times. Because if I'm only there for the good times, you can't count on me. And you have no idea whether I love you or not. And that's the truth. All too many relationships end because somebody says, oh, it's so wonderful, it's so good, I will be with you always in this happiness. It's like, that's wonderful, but what happens when life goes south and that guy goes someplace else? Because the measure of love is that I stand with you when it isn't easy to stand with you. When I'm with you in your illness and my illness, when I'm with you when the money runs out, when I'm with you when we're going through a difficult time that saddens us, and I say, but the sadness, hard as it is, is not greater than my love for you. Because when I pay the price of staying with you, then you know the measure of my love. You know how real it is. And so let's go back to that statement. This saying is hard. Well, you know, we'd all like something easier. But easy is never the measure of love. It's never the measure of faithfulness. The measure of faithfulness is, you're right, that is hard but you are worth the effort. I am with you. That's what's at stake as we look at this. And that's where our attitude that spiritual things are somehow negotiable, that the things of God, that that which gives us the fullness of life is something I can decide on for myself. That's where that attitude brings us into trouble because what happens is instead of choosing the best, I choose the convenient. Instead of choosing the good, I choose the easy. Instead of choosing the right, I choose what works for right now. And the minute I do that in anything, whether it's my career, whether it's my attempt to be a better athlete, whether it's my scholarship, whether it's my family, the minute I begin choosing that way, things go south. Maybe not immediately, but they do. Because as much as I fool myself into thinking I'm all about the best, what I'm really about is what works for me right now. This saying is hard. Who can accept it? So we have this moment where, in the face of the difficulty, note that Jesus doesn't back off of it. He sees the difficulty, he hears them say, this is hard. And Jesus looks at them and says, yes, and it's true, and it's right. He doesn't change it. He doesn't say, let me make it easier for you. He says, this is it. This is it. 
And the implication being, if you choose to go after this, I will help you. But let's be clear about what we're doing. Because the way that leads to life is too important to water down or get wrong. And I'm not here to lead you in the convenient way. I'm here to lead you in the way that brings about eternal happiness. And in a world that compromises goodness so easily, of course that's hard. And so what do we hear? Many of his disciples, because of the difficulty, left him and went back to their former way of life that however pleasant it may be, in the end would lead them nowhere. And that's what's at stake when we have that attitude of, I'll choose what I want from the Lord. In the end, it brings me back to the place he's trying to lead me out of, that selfish place, that frightened place, that place that privileges convenience over everything else. Because if where we are to begin with was so good, by definition, we would not need saving. We forget that sometimes. We call Jesus our Savior, which means there is something about our lives that is, in fact, in danger. And he saves us from that. However much we try to fool ourselves that everything will be all right if you just leave me alone, the simple fact of the matter is, if God leaves us alone, we're all lost. But when he finds us, he seeks to, as we see in the beautiful icon over here, which is an image of the resurrection. And this is Jesus snatching Adam and Eve and yanking them out of the halls of death. Because that's where they were. And that's what the Lord comes to do for all of us. He will reach into that darkness, to that frightened corner of the heart, and lift us out of it. That's why he's come. And that's why it is so important that when he speaks to us with such strength and such clarity, even if it's difficult for us, there's nothing wrong with admitting that it's hard. But then we can ask for help. And so note what happens. Many begin to leave. They return to their former way of life. And Jesus turns to his disciples, the apostles. All right, what about you guys? Are you going away too? And Peter's answer is marvelous. First, again, because as is often the case, he's the only one with the guts to say something. And you've got to love St. Peter in this way. The Lord asks a question and Peter's going to answer it. And he answers it with another question. Where are we going to go? If we turn away from you, where are we really going to go? Who's the one who's going to show us life better than you can? Who's the one who's been sent by God if you're not that guy? Who is that one? Where are we going to go? if we turn away from you? This is the question all too many who walk away from the faith fail to ask themselves. If I don't do this, where am I going to go? What am I going to choose that's going to give me life? 
what am I going to embrace that's going to be truly life-giving and truly fulfilling if I turn my back on you? And so Peter reminds Jesus, and he reminds himself in doing so, I'm following you for a reason. And the reason is, I know you're the right one. I, don't, I might not understand all of this. I might get it wrong more often than I get it right, but at least if I'm stumbling, I'm stumbling forward and not backward. At least if I'm doing this, I'm doing it with you, and I know I'm not lost. It's a beautiful statement of faith. There is no one besides you, and I know that's true. So it would be foolish of me to go someplace else. Note he doesn't say I completely understand. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, this teaching might be hard for those other guys, but it's easy for me. He doesn't say any of those things. He simply says, there is no other option for me. There is no better way. And so I'm staying on this way because it's the right way. And I might fall flat on my face, but I'll fall on the way and not someplace else. It might be hard, but it's difficulty in the direction of good. And that's the right kind of difficulty. And beautifully, in our first reading, we see how Peter, who says this to Jesus later, shows us its fullness. This same Peter who said, you're the one who has the words of eternal life. I'm not going anywhere. Note what happens in our reading today. It is this same St. Peter who walks to a man who has been paralyzed for eight years, unable to move in pain for eight years. And this same St. Peter who said to Jesus, I'm going nowhere, goes to this man whose life has been so wounded and marked by helplessness for so long. And he just says to him, it's time. Let's lift you up and put you on your feet again. And it happens. Note how marvelous this is. The one who said, yes, it's hard and I don't understand it right now, but I'm not going anywhere, is the one who can go to the other one later and say, as hard as it's been, your life changes now. And he lifts him up. And in doing so, he also shows so very many that pain and struggle and hardship, even when we don't see the outcome right away, are never pointless. And all of a sudden, this man's eight years of woundedness are at the service of others seeing the glory of God. Note how marvelous that is. And on seeing this, it is Peter who is called into the neighboring town where the widow who had dedicated herself, dedicated herself not to serving herself, not to pleasing herself, but to caring for those members of the community who need it so much. And so she made them cloaks and she sewed garments for them. And she went to their homes and cared for them. Note how this is a woman who is not living simply selfishly shut in on her own desire to make life nice for me. Rather, she recognized 
The gospel wants me to be about giving myself to make life better for someone else. Even with my own experience of loss, she's a widow. She's a widow, vulnerable without any tangible means of support on her own, and yet this one, more fragile than so many, is caring for so many others. So that when she gets sick and dies, the community feels a real loss. Not the loss of having lost a great leader, not the loss of having lost a wealthy, famous person, a deeper, more powerful loss. We feel the loss of one who loved us, one who cared for us, one who showed us the true face of goodness. And note again that it's this same Peter, you, Lord, have the word of eternal life, who walks into her chamber where she's laid out, sends everyone else away, it's just Peter, and her, and the word of Jesus Christ. And she passes from death back into life. And in doing this gift, he sends to the community the beautiful message that there is an eternal value in real goodness, an enduring value in real goodness that goes beyond the grave and that the word of Jesus is in fact the word of life because in the name of this same Jesus, life is restored. Note how wonderful that is. Lord, where else are we going to go? And if Peter turned his back because the saying was hard, who's bringing that widow back to life? If Peter turned back because that saying was hard, Who's lifting that crippled man back into health? Note the value of staying the course in the difficult moment and the great goodness that comes out of that. And beautifully, beautifully, in just a few minutes from this altar, this same Jesus Christ who says, I am the living bread come down from heaven is going to be right here. And on some levels, his presence here asks each and every one of us the question, what are you going to do? Will you also leave or will you come forward? We never think of the moment of Holy Communion as a choice like that, do we? But every time you get up to come forward to receive, you're making a choice. And it's a choice in the direction of life. It's a choice in the direction of Jesus Christ. Note how beautiful this is. Whatever our doubts, whatever our uncertainties are, which say this, this is hard. Jesus is going to say, you're right, it is. But I'm here too. Make your move. And when we get up and get out of the chairs, we can go in two directions. We can go out the door or we can come forward. And when we come forward, at the very least, we can do so with that faith of St. Peter that says, where else am I going to go? You have the word of eternal life. I know that. And so I'm here. I believe, Lord, increase my faith. And that's a good prayer. That's a really good prayer. Sometimes we can get all pious and misty in our language of receiving Holy Communion. The simple fact of the matter is, 
a really good prayer after I receive or while I receive is simply, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, this is hard, but I still know you're the one. I'm here. Carry me through this. And that's a great prayer. And notice he's here all the time for exactly that reason. Because life is always worth embracing, especially the eternal life that he has come to give us. Amen.